SMQBs, episode 36. This was a recap of NFL Week 5. Really good discussion about our takeaways. The Plaxico locks are still a fucking disaster, uh, but a good conversation about old guys coaching in the NFL today and just what in the world do we do with them. We also talk NCAA football, super exciting and yet still utterly boring. And then we cover MLB playoffs, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight, our punchable face of the week, and a special prize for two of our very own co-hosts. Enjoy the episode. Leave us five stars. Thanks. From the people, climb up on the booth, hanging from the people on the people, my head's the roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people, I got people on the dancing on the people, I got people. FMQBs, this is episode 36. It is brought to you on behalf of a former baseball player. He was a right-handed pitcher for eight teams from 1962 to 83. He had a 22-year career, 314 wins, 3,534 strikeouts, a 3.11 ERA, Went into the Hall of Fame in 1991. Any guesses yet? You've aged me out, man. No? Okay. Five-time All-Star. Bill he Negro. Was the fir- Getting close. First pitcher to win the Cy Young Award in each league. Winning in the American League in 72. This is getting into failing territory now. In the- no. No. Ryan was 34. Ryan. Perry. League. We have a winner, number 36, Gaylord Perry. That's that's your SMQB, number 36. Did he always wear that number? Mm. I mean, he's listed as one of the best players to wear 36, along with players such as Robin Roberts, Don Newcomb, and the bus, Jerome Bettis. Yeah, where's Jerome Bettis? Yeah, Jerome Bettis. That was, that was a better start. one. Yeah, Jerome no Bettis. Way. Gaylord Perry won the – he's the first pitcher to win the, the Cy Young in both leagues. That that trumps whatever the bus did. He's a spitballer. Anyway, anyway here we are. It was heavily ball, in their 20s. He was a ball good. scuffer. <laughs> I'm, we're trying to educate him a little bit. Look, this is uh, where I usually say something snappy about the Eagles quarterback situation. But my name is Chris Nace, and I'm a broken man. There we go. And I have go. nothing to say this wow. week. About there we go. I waited uh, 36 episodes for the. There's nothing to say. I waited 36 Maybe somebody, episodes for the bus to run over Chris Nace. Somebody pick me up here. Somebody's got something witty to say. There's nothing like it's the sight me. of an amputated spirit. <laughs> <laughs> there's no prosthetic for that. That's time right. Di- That's where I am. Digital group hug. Ooh, uh, like like we said, I'll be leading the baking uh, segment of this podcast as I am giving up on all sports. Did you get point. my Hallmark so, schedule? The Christmas did. schedule's coming I out. Did. Yeah, we need I'm an update. Forward to it. We need an update on below deck too. Right. Also, yeah. how do you how do you make lemon squares a little bit more gooey? I want to know that too. <laughs> yeah, I'll You've get back to you next week. Day now. You can Wait get a lot Sunday. done on Sundays. I'm open Sunday from one to four thirty now, so I'll, I'll I'll work on lemon squares this weekend. Perfect. Mm. Uh, how's everybody doing? 
Good, good. Teams right. are rolling, man, except for one. <laughs> Teams are rolling. Except yeah. for the race. Yeah, except for the yeah. tide. Yeah. Well, uh, house, uh, let's talk a little football. Hey, I've got this uh, hypothetical for you guys. What if I could offer you a sports league with really talented teams where almost every single year, a different set of teams would be in the Super Bowl? Would you be excited by that kind of parity and change up in that kind of league? Wouldn't that be the most exciting kind of football you could watch where it's not the same teams repeating every year? Mm, mm. Huh? Yes. Where, where is this league? You, this fictional league you speak of. You're not talking about college football this year, are you? Oh, please. We'll get no. to that. But let Jeez. me tell you something. I guess there's a possibility that the Bucks could get healthy on defense uh, and show up again because the curious case of Benjamin Button, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may lead them back to the Super Bowl. But if not, we are looking once again at teams like the Los Angeles Chargers or the Arizona Cardinals or the Dallas Cowboys or the Cleveland Browns or the Los Angeles Rams. They all Packers or the Green Bay Packers. They all really are starting to shine. Uh, I think. Week five brought us. I think you missed the, the big one. Bills. Chargers. How about the Bills. I said the Bills. I thought Chargers. I mentioned Bills. the Bills, but I was, I'm, then I definitely missed that because I was just about to say, I think week five brought us our leading candidate for this year's MVP and Josh, Josh Allen. That guy, it's amazing his trajectory, how he has gone from average to flat out superstar. He was incredible to watch last night. Um, Kansas about City. Justin I, Herbert. We'll get to Herbert. Kansas City has serious issues with with their defense. Serious issues. Um, Dallas Cowboys are trading off between who's going to be the rookie defensive player of the year between uh, Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs, who had yet another interception, plus 515 yards of offense against. Do you guys remember that Bob Hope commercial where you're only driving half a car? Remember that? Because the car was going uphill. You're only driving half a car. That was the New York Giants. They were playing no, with like half a team yesterday. They they lost Danny Dimes. They lost Saquon. They lost Kenny Galladay. I'm not sure what you can expect from the Giants going forward with their brutal schedule and their half a team. Um, the the you can expect Bears, the first pick in the draft. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> the Bears don't apparently miss uh david montgomery that much damian williams played great i think it was a minor upset against vegas uh arizona showed they can win games with defense not just offense with a 17 10 win over san francisco the vikings had a surprising last second field goal from 54 yards in order to beat the lions i don't know what's up with that team um mac jones put together another showing he went on a seven minute game winning drive. Yes. The Houston Texans are hapless, but that was an impressive showing another step in the right direction from that rookie. Um, the, the Rams, uh, the story of that game, of course, is Russell Wilson getting hurt, but the Rams remain on track. Kyle Pitts came alive this week. For Atlanta Falcons, Zach Wilson came back down to earth for the Jets. 
what can you say about Tampa and uh, this Tom Brady guy, whatever his name is? Five touchdowns, 400 yards, which, by the way, Milk, did you know this is the first time in his entire career, 40, whatever, 4,000 years old, that he had a game with both five touchdowns and 400 yards? Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. But it was a hell of a game to be at. Pretty amazing. Uh, Philly, proud of my Eagles being down 18 to three, looking atrocious, horrible, but proving that a football game is won with all three phases. A block punt led to a last minute drive that put them over the top to beat Carolina away 21-18. What can you say about Mason Crosby and the Green Bay Packers? The fourth (laughs) time is a charm. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, did someone missed, make a fucking field my, goal? My son, Jeez. my son, when it went after after the third miss, and they showed him on the sideline with his helmet off. My son's like, "Who's that geezer?" Dude, he looked like he was eighty. <laughs> yeah, he looked he like did. Favre. He I looked was, like Favre. Yeah, I know, unbelievable. And how about the fact that we may have two consecutive years of LSU wide receivers as the rookie of the year? Um, Justin Jefferson last year, Jamar Chase is just putting on a show, another six receptions for 159 yards. But as you guys pointed out, the heavyweight battle of the week, which I don't think anybody would have predicted this before the NFL season, was the Chargers versus the Browns, a 47 to 42 slugfest. Coach Brandon Staley of the Chargers went three for three on fourth down, including on his own 24 down 27, 13 pair of brass ones. Um, The chargers are great. Justin Herbert's great, but the Cleveland Browns aren't going to go away either. They're my pick for the AFC central over the Ravens, over the Bengals. I think that's a preview of a playoff game later on between the chargers and the Cleveland Browns. That's week five. What do you guys got? Nothing? I think your Eagles were the upset of the week. It was a hell of a game. Hell of a comeback. I mean, the Panthers clearly are still missing McCaffrey, but Panthers are reeling from <laughs> missing McCaffrey and getting blown out by the Cowboys. But um, I mean, they were undefeated two games ago, and they certainly look like they were in the tier two of teams. And the Eagles, you know, were in the bottom tier. Um, until this game. So it was a huge upset, I think. Can, can the Eagles parlay that into success on Thursday night house? No, 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 <laughs> they, they can't. But I do think, I think they'll, I think they'll beat the Raiders a week later, even on the road. But I, I think uh, they'll, they have a lot of problems still, but it was an upset on the road, but that team, it, the Panthers, they are Christian McCaffrey beginning, middle end. That's it. Darnold stinks. They are, oh, yeah. Darnold is terrible. They need a running game to help Darnold with his ability yeah. to you know, move the ball. He's terrible. So have, have the Raiders now been exposed? Can we dispose of them? Please. Yeah, I think you're right, Pope, and I think we can dispose of the Broncos, too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that definitely. was... Yeah, that, yeah. Never, that never made any sense. Um, I mean... Can you... Okay, I know that you are bringing up Josh Allen for MVP. But, I mean, are we literally not talking about the fact that Tom Brady is 44 years old and is leading the league in passing yards? He's also one touchdown away from leading the league in TDs. And he's only thrown two picks all year. Oh, I didn't realize he'd only throw two picks. He's, 
he's MVP right now. I think one was to Diggs. I, 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 honestly, I, I think people just take him for granted now. He's so he's yeah. that's my point so is that long. it's like ah, we can't talk about Tom Brady. No one wants to talk about Brady. But if if Josh Allen doesn't have these stats, well, it's insane Milk, what you, he's doing. I know it was the Dolphins yesterday. Don't get me wrong. But no, you're you're right. But as you pointed out before the season, like you would say all the time to us, just look at our weapons. Look at our weapons. True. I mean, I would not say that Josh Allen has Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Gronkowski and you know Fournette and all these guys to throw to. He's got digs. Yes, he's developing this nice tight end. And yes, Emmanuel Sanders is maybe having a rebirth, but he doesn't have a lot. That's what makes him the MVP. Well, I don't know. I think Zach Moss and Singletary are as good as Fournette and Jones in yeah. the backfield. Yeah. I just, they're, I don't know if they're, you, bo- they're all mediocre. If you saw the breakdown, and I don't want to go heavy homer here, but if you saw the the breakdown of, did y'all see Antonio Brown, his second TD, like the 60 yeah. yard one he had? Yeah. Yeah. They showed that one. If you see the replay of that, Brady's got some guy coming right in his face and he throws the ball literally like, 15 yards away from where Antonio Brown ends up catching it. It was one of the more ridiculous passes I've ever seen, like into like through double coverage. It just showed that this isn't just weapons. I think the guy just makes really, really great decisions. It's sick. Look, Bison, we, we, we spared you, but I think you (laughs) could help explain to our audience really what happened to this defense. I mean, what happened to them? Yeah. Corp I don't know. I mean, drafted him high in his fantasy football league and got nothing. <laughs> you know, the, benched, the, how did you let Jameis Winston beat you? I benched him. Gosh, there's, there's really nothing. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, the front four actually had their best game yesterday. They they had a couple, you know, sacks, uh, strip sack, fumble. Um, you know, the, the front four played better yesterday than the, probably their best game that they, they played play a five, all year. Three or, to start the game? They don't know what to do because their linebackers are so bad, but really the secondary is the problem. I mean, the secondary is a mess and and it's not just, it's not just players. It's like, they don't know what to do. The number of blown coverages this year, and they had a second blown coverage in two weeks on a bomb yesterday where the guy was so open, he could wait for an underthrown football to come down, catch it. And still, you didn't see a, a, a football player on, in the screenshot. I mean, there, I don't know how Jack Del Rio still has a job. I really don't. I mean, there, there is too much talent, maybe a little overhyped, but there's too much talent for this. I mean, they can't stop anybody on third down. Landon Collins cannot play football any better than I can at this point. I mean, he is, he's really terrible. And I think what's, what's so frustrating about it is they haven't tried anything different. It's five weeks now. The defense has sucked in every week. I mean, they haven't tried anything to to change it up, to do anything differently. And they're just, you know what? The secondary is a mess. They they had the, Jameis threw a forty nine year yard uh, pass into the end zone as the half expired. They had no timeouts. They had ten seconds on the clock, and the players. One of them said in the post game. We didn't think they'd go to the end zone. We thought they'd throw a little out pass to get into field goal range, so we weren't ready for it. Wow. What does that mean? Ooh. Go to the end zone. Everybody's down there. 
You just jump up and knock the fucking ball down to the ground. Nobody jumped. I, I mean, I don't know. What does that mean? You weren't ready for that. How ready do you have to be to, to break that up? They're not going to call pass interference. So, I mean, you know, the, well, you, I am a said, broken man. But you said Del Rio, but why doesn't some of this come on Rivera too? I mean, he's well, ultimately the buck stops with him. I think that's true. And I think you're going to, you're starting to hear that a little bit. People are starting to say that. I mean, Del Rio is, you know, was the big name defensive coordinator who, who they brought in and, and, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's an easy target because he's a known target. He's not some young coordinator. Um, so you, you're right though. I mean, I think Rivera is going to start, uh, is going to start getting some, some grief over this and there's going to be some pressure to make a change. I, the defense is just a mess. And, and honestly, you know, uh, Heineke had his worst game as a starter yesterday, but it, it's too easy to blame him for this loss. And, and Washington had some injuries too. I mean, we were the right side of the offensive line didn't play. Um, and, and Samuel, uh, Curtis Samuel, who they paid $35 million in the off season, hasn't really played other than the Atlanta game in which he was a little bit of a difference maker for the team. Uh, he played one down yesterday, went out with a tweaked groin injury. So they've had some injuries too. That to me, Heineken, Heineke is not the story about this team. He's fine. It's the defense is just so bad. It's not even not dominant. It's terrible. It's just flat terrible. Well, I think that's true, but I, I do beg to differ on one point. I don't think in today's NFL, you can uh, compete for first place in the division with a journeyman quarterback. Um, you just can't do that. And I don't, I just don't understand why the Redskins didn't go out. I mean, the football team didn't go out in the off season and try to get somebody better than Heineken and uh, Fitz, Fitz magic. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I think it's come down to he's played above his ability for a couple of games and now he's coming down to earth. I'm not really sure that, that I believe that about him. I mean, I, and about a journeyman quarterback, I think the reality was the, the plan was to build the team and find a quarterback, right? I mean, they, they're obviously uh, Fitz and Heineken were not the, the long-term answer, but with all the other pieces they have, um, it, it's it's just abysmal to watch this defense. I don't know. I, I could care less about about what's happening at the quarterback position right now because they don't need. I mean, sure, they should have. You know, they're also without Logan Thomas, who's a good tight end. I mean, they they should have had some. They should have been farther up because the offense moved the ball in the first half. They had to settle for a bunch of field goals instead of touchdowns. And you know, when you're missing some weapons, that that happens. But to me, the, the, this team is – the frustration is with the defense, and they can't do anything right. They're just terrible. I am very curious to see this this next matchup between the 2-3 and three football team and the 2-3 and three Chiefs. Take you me know, over. I don't know. Let me tell you something. The Chiefs, they've got problems. They've got injuries. Their defense isn't, isn't good. Horrible. Football teams – the football teams at home, their back is up against the wall – I think there could be an upset special next week. And I think, I think, I think, I don't know. I just think that the football team might show up for that one and give Mahomes some problems. Where's the game? It's in DC. Washington. Hmm. Well, there's one Washington fan who won't be watching that one. That's me. I can't do it. I'm taking a week off. I just can't do it anymore. I want some lemmings. I want some lemon squares. 
I think there's a, say, uh, a rerun of Anthony Bourdain's reservations, probably, you know, about three 30 <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at this point, who do you think has the most surprising record in football? That's a mean question. good or bad. Yeah. Good or bad. Uh, the chiefs chiefs chiefs. Then who yeah. after that? Um, I mean, I guess the Cardinals. About the Dolphins. Enough. How about the Dolphins at one and four? Did you see that coming this year? Yeah, yeah. the Dolphins suck. Yeah, perennially. They, I mean, Steelers at two and three. Well, let me let me say this yeah. about the Dolphins. When I tweeted out that I was giving up and I was going to claim back my Sunday afternoons, my Dolphin fans all texted me and said, "What can we do with you?" Because they're ready to give up too. <laughs> they, 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 I got guys ready to take gardening classes with me. So uh, I didn't they're know Dolphins back. fans watched. Sunday football. Ugh. They're getting they're getting Tua back. They are Let's see what happens when Tua comes back. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Well, looking at I mean, I, I don't think anybody thought the Cardinals would be undefeated. Yeah. 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 No, and, and honestly, you have to say Baltimore. Baltimore, given the running back situation, how many running backs they lost, they're they're doing pretty well considering. And how come the Lions can't win a game? I mean, it's just so bad. Because they're coached by Dan Campbell. I, I mean, that guy's terrible, <laughs> but you'd think Jared Goff could get he one stinks. He they stinks. Can't, they can't do and the anything. guy the guy they drafted in at whatever number five, six, this guy, Peeny Sewell, he's just a turnstile. He lets up so many sacks. They stink. That franchise. They stink. They also Sorry, got rid Detroit of fans. all their receivers. They got rid of Galladay and and um Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, he's he's hardly has anyone throw the ball to, other yeah. than the tight end Hockaday. Yeah, mm. that's gotta suck. Well, so I, I guess I, you know I'll move it. This was going to be one of my takeaway my my takeaway for the week actually, and so I guess I can I'll move us into that into that segment right now, and and um, and it goes to the to Detroit. I think the reality is, God, organization matters. I mean, top to bottom, organization matters. This league, as you know, House, as you sort of let in about parity and, and that, you know, what separates these teams, the league is set up so that everybody should have a chance, right? Every year, or at least on some rotating basis, you should, the way the league is set up with salary caps and contracts and, and everything. And so what separates these teams, you know, and it's organizations top to bottom. I mean, Washington was a, a premier franchise. They won three Super Bowls in, in, you know, 11 years or something. And then uh, Jack Kent Cook, the owner died and the team ends up in the hands of Dan Snyder. And it has been 30 years of futility, 30. I think there's like three playoff appearances, maybe four Total, I don't, I'm not sure that we've won a playoff game. I don't even know. And this is, this is where my frustration is. But I think when you talk about a team like Detroit, it's the same thing. It's just organization matters. And, and that's my takeaway from it because a lot of, there's a lot of good players and players bounce around and you see different teams that rise up and then come back down and rise up again. And, and, you know, but that only happens when you have you have got to run a class A organization to compete in the NFL. Yeah. They keep you know, like, they keep recycling mediocre coaches. Um, instead of taking the best, they take the the known 
Jason Garrett being a perfect example. The guy, the guy is a horror, as we've been discussing for two years, a horrible offensive coordinator. And the, I, why the Giants haven't fi- fired him, I don't know. But, you know, you see an example of that, I, in my opinion, in college right now, I think part of the explanation for the step back that uh, Alabama has taken is that they got Bill O'Brien calling their plays. He's a horrible offensive coordinator. He's terrible. He's been terrible at every coaching job he's ever had. And just because he's a known entity, they turn over the reins to play calling to him at, at Alabama. And look, look what's happening for, they didn't look great against Florida and they look pretty, pretty bad against A&M. Defense has been their problem, but we'll get to that. Well, they're <laughs> oh, playing. What's your, what's your... Did you see what Deont- Deontay Smith texted during that game? In all caps, run the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's, it's that's a popular at, refrain from Alabama. It, by it the way. starts at the gym, dude. And and oh. you, can, you can thank Bruce Allen for a lot of your problems. Oh, believe me. That there's the yes. I do and I and I have and I will into the future. <laughs> Oops, take away. Well, you know, I'm not sure it's a takeaway so much as I was kind of curious. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. Um, what are our, you know, thoughts on the best teams versus Vegas? Uh, I don't know if you guys have looked at the Super Bowl odds lately, but who do you think the top two teams are in Vegas for Super Bowl right now? Buffalo, to win it, Buffalo's yeah. got to be one of them. The Bucks Buffalo and Buffalo. the Bucks. All right, you're right. So the Bucks are eleven to two, and the Bills are six to one. Yeah. Then after that. The Chiefs somehow are still alive at 13 to 2. Dumb. Then you have the Rams at 17 to 2. And yeah. I'm not sure about this. The Packers at 12 to 1. The Dumb. Cards are at 13 to 1. And yeah. then you got you got the teams. Chargers that, must be there. Well, no, then the Cowboys, Browns, and Ravens are all 14 to 1. And I, this is a this was a surprise. The Chargers are 16 to 1. I don't I don't see. I, I would put money on the Chargers right now. I think they're a complete team. They could easily win yep. the Super Bowl. That's a good bet. I'd take so, them over for the you Browns guys, and the Ravens for no, sure. That's, no, that's my delay some bets. That's my tip of the day for you oh, guys we're going making to bets. mass torts in Vegas. Put some money on the Chargers for the Super yes, Bowl. Okay. How how are the Rams not higher? I mean, because they lost the game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they didn't look great against the Seahawks either. Yeah. Who didn't have Russell? My takeaway is is exactly that. Injuries are starting to show their ugly head and turn teams' fates around. The Seahawks are dead in the water now without Russell Wilson. And not that the Giants were uh, going to be a playoff team, but they were showing signs of being interesting. And in one game, they lose their starting quarterback, their starting running back, and their expensive new wide receiver to injuries. And they're not even minor injuries. Saquon's going to be out for weeks and weeks and weeks with that ankle. That's great to hear. It looked like an orange on his ankle. And then um, Galladay hurt his knee. Yeah. He got me a big zero points yesterday. Yeah. What's the word on Danny? Maybe he had a concussion. So I don't know when he'll be back. The the chiefs lost their running back. The bucks lost their linebacker. I mean, Juju Smith is out. There's a lot of serious injuries. Is uh is Clyde Edwards Hilaire out? Yeah, he's also MCL got, also got me zero. Next. 
uh, next three or four weeks. Hmm, you, maybe you should have traded him when I uh, offered the trade to you. <laughs> I never saw a trade offer. You said you'd think about it. Oh, I don't remember seeing the trade on the. It on was the not app. on the board. It was on the uh, uh, text. The text chain. Oh, uh, it's hard to keep up with our texts. There's a lot of them. Who else has yep. a takeaway? Milk, do we get your takeaway? Um, yeah, my takeaway is that I don't know for all of our fans that are fancy football players. Did you know that it's possible to only score 49 points in a fantasy football game? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Because oh my God. I had to double check and say, Ooh, certainly hurts. this guy's got players going on Monday night and he didn't. It was. Who is that guy? I, uh, somebody, I, I don't know. You want to come forward? And he, he had a, a rough furry, week. He had a rough. Is his, is his nickname a furry, four-hooved creature that is in the wilderness <laughs> that also is known as the Bills, like bison? Unbelievable! That's, um, wow. that's so that only a, a that's only a, a hundred less than my Crusaders. Let's let's start with the fact that that my number one pick has hardly played this year. Uh, the first, by the way, the first two picks in the draft have hardly played this season. I I went to because. I smell blood in the water and I need a little help. So I went to your team and I literally couldn't find anybody that I was willing to make a trade offer for. What about your guy? Godwin. Yeah. I'm good with Evans. Why doesn't Brady Brady throw up, throw a touchdown to throw the ball to Godwin? Uh, Can I just say that this is a lot of big balls talk from a guy who texted out. Oh, and I'm going to pound Rooster in fantasy. He thinks he's the damn Nick Saban of this league now. What's the score? What's the score of our game? Well, oh, who would oh. know? It looks like Cricket Wireless kicking in time again. for quick Cricket Wireless to kick in. This is the Cricket Wireless segment. Well, <laughs> at least Milk's taking notes. Yeah, Milk's frozen. Milk's frozen. Take a picture right now. Get you got to get a screenshot right now, please. I got it. Uh, that's so great. Well, while we're waiting on cricket wireless to restore his internet, um, my <laughs> takeaway for the week is that, and he's gone. I think he's he just gone. quit after, after he got <laughs> called out that his fantasy team was a, a lot of talk <laughs> and no action. Um, my takeaway, <laughs> that's pretty funny. My takeaway for the week is that the, the kind of players and parts of an NFL team that you don't normally talk about are really, really crucial pieces, special teams and backup quarterbacks this week, the Minnesota Vikings won a game because they could make a 54 yard field goal at the end of the game. The green Bay Packers should have lost a game. And in fact, the Cincinnati Bengals did lose a game because they couldn't make a very makeable field goal for Four missed field goals. They thought they made it. Yeah. I mean, horrible. You know, uh, the the teams are missing. There's Some of these teams are regularly missing point after attempts. The Eagles probably won their game because of a special teams play. They were down 18-16, and they were going to probably struggle to win that game. Um, 18-13, and they they were going to struggle to win that game. A, A blocked punt. Backup quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Teddy Bridgewater, Heineken Beer, Davis Mills, Jacoby Brisket, 
Geno Smith. Do you guys want any of those? I mean, maybe uh, I don't Trey know. Lance Trey Lance, just... Trey Lance completed an out pass that was a rope, okay. like a and frozen he's... rope. I mean, he's a he's a he's, he's an a, improvement he's over Jimmy G. He's, he's a an improvement he's not over a Jimmy rookie. G. But I think, you know, and I come from a city whose only Super Bowl came because of a backup quarterback. I think a backup quarterback is a much more valuable position than most NFL GMs give credit to. And it could make the difference between teams hanging on, making the playoffs, and even winning it. And I think we're starting to see that early on in an injury riddled season. That's my takeaway. Milk, Milk wants to come back into the Zoom, but that motherfucker went after me. <laughs> On my fantasy team, I think I'm going to leave his ass in there just, for a just, while. Just for our fan, just for our fans. After he came after you for a low score and, and yeah. threatened to pound me, the score of our game is currently 133. Me, 80. Him, and I haven't. All of my players haven't even finished playing yet. So I'm trying. We can suck it. Maybe going for the high point of the week. Are you? No, I think you've got that locked up. Oh. Oh, speaking of locks, speaking of locks, fellas, I have very exciting news for our group and all of the thousands of our listeners. The Plaxico Burris locked up is in a dead heat of five, one and four teams. Congratulations to this week's winners of Brian Pope Pope with a uh, taking the Cowboys minus seven to move to one and four. And Toby House Milrod to move to one and four, also taking the Cowboys. But Rooster falls in the loss column again, taking the Raiders at minus four and a half, dropping to one and four. And Bison and Milk, who were buying into that Packers bull, couldn't cover it through three and a half. And that line was three when four. it kicked off. That's well, a push. that's a push. It's three and a half. That's what we called it. We're all one and four. So. Let's start with Pope because you've moved into first place. Pope, who's your lock of the week for week six? Oh boy, this was this is a tough one. My my heart really wants to go with the Cowboys on the road at the Patriots, get uh, giving three. I I just don't think the Patriots uh, have it, and this is going to be a big week for the Cowboys. But my head says go with the smart money, and that is going to be the Bucks <laughs> giving seven. At the link. Oh, yeah, baby. Old man, but I love it. <laughs> Tom Brady. Is, is it seven or six and a half? It's I've seven. Got seven on Espen. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think they're on a roll and um, look out. I, I say Tom, it's going to be Tom double. Brady digits. has had this game circled from day one. He wants revenge against a team that most of them weren't even on Super Bowl 52 champions. Yeah, but they but, still talk about oh, Philly yeah. Dilly Willie or whatever the fuck it is. Brady so. wants oh, to be coming after that's him. A, that's a good <laughs> bet. That's revenge. a good bet. Milk? Well, let's see. Um, three, third time is a charm. I've missed on my bucks twice. Not going to happen three times. I'm going Tampa too. And okay. it's good defense. So hold on, because and I've got a substantive reason. Uh, the Bucks have the best rushing defense in the NFL, and Jalen Hurts is going to have to beat the Bucks to the air. Not going to happen. And why? Because right, you have a good secondary. No, yeah, they played all right yesterday. Good enough. I think we because gotta, it's because it's Jalen Hurts. I think that was Jalen Hurts can't beat Tampa in the air. The Eagles' defense. Very mediocre. This is two touchdowns minimum. 
Bucks. Okay, I got to write this down. Two touchdowns minimum. Okay, got that down. Rooster. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of. Uh, my strategy has been to go with whoever's playing the Lions or the Texans, um, <laughs> <laughs> or the Giants, frankly. But the line is too damn high. The it's the Rams Giants is like ten and a half, right? Ten and a half. Yeah, that's too high. The Bengals three. Minus three with the Lions. Seems like a good pick to me, but I am going to have to go with the Bucks. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, and I have a good oh. reason to. Okay, um, pile milk, on. Milk asked me to do it. <laughs> I did not ask you to do it. <laughs> I love I it. I did not uh, ask Bison, you to do Bison, it. Bison, you might as well take them. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I have to say, I'm, I, I think the Chiefs are going to score 452 points this week. And if they do that, they probably ought to cover over Washington. But you never know. It could be a trap game. I really think the safest pick of the week is the Bucks over the Eagles. <laughs> wow. Wow. You guys have a very good chance of moving to two and four. But I'm hoping to give you guys the double bird Thursday night. I remarkably i'm not going with the bucks oh come on come on on. come on on. on. Uh, there's no there's no family pot tonight tonight this uh upcoming week i think one of the best games in the nfl is going to be the cleveland browns versus the arizona cardinals i think the browns show that they can really score some points arizona is a little banged up they lost their center and they lost their tight end they're on the road in a very very tough place to play. I think the Cardinals take their first loss this Sunday. The Browns win probably just by a field goal, but that's enough to cover the minus two and a half Browns over Cardinals. That's my pick. Those are your locks of the week. Right. You know what else is, I think is a decent pick. I'm, you know, I know we only have one pick, but don't you, you think the Chargers, oh, no. don't you think the Chargers over the Ravens with at three and a half is a, is a decent pick? I, I don't think the Ravens no. can hang with the Chargers. No. It's dangerous. How about the Bills over the Titans? All right. Bison, I'm not sure next? about that either. Titans are two up and down. Rooster <laughs> wants to get in four or five picks. <laughs> he wants Nine. to go through the whole NFL slate. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, hey. hey take them I've all. Got, well, I mean, this, every game. this isn't I've Bill Simmons s- where we do every game. I've we, got we, six. <laughs> I've got six teams still alive in the in the knockout uh, leagues. You know, okay. the suicide picks. Yeah. I've yeah. got six teams still alive. How many well, entries do you have? Sixty. I have six entries and they're all still alive. There you go. We, we, there, there's one we do just before we move away from NFL. I think we want to just briefly touch on um, NFL coaches behaving badly. Right. I mean, last week we had Urban Meyer uh, hanging out at the bar and picking up the uh, the co-eds uh, after his team lost and, and not flying back with the team. Uh, and this week, John Gruden in the news uh, for for another uh, nothing good reason. Um, who wants to talk a little bit about about John Gruden? I'll t- I'll talk about it. Uh, I mean, it's both of these guys. Is it time to just let them set out to pasture? Because I, I don't know what's happening here. Gr- Gruden, uh, if you did haven't seen the news, of course he. They're what is by the way, why are they looking at all these old emails? Does anyone know? Actually, I don't. That's a good just, question. Some reporter got them, dug get them up. People. 
Yeah, no, there's something going on. There is, yeah, there is some investigation going on. I don't think they were necessarily looking into Gruden himself, but they came across this email and he makes this horrible comment about the NFL Players Association president, I think. And it was back during some dispute in 2011. And he makes this very racially insensitive comment. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm welcome y'all's opinions too. I don't know if he meant it as a racial slur. I think he was trying to say that the guy was full of shit basically, but it was just really bad, bad choice of words. Um, and so he's in the news for, for that, but just has, what is going on with these two guys? Because urban Meyer, he doesn't fly back with the team. I think he's lost the entire locker room. Gruden starts off three, you know, we're talking like, you know, we're talking all this great stuff about them, but deep down inside, we kind of knew that it was, it was a uh, fraud fake frauds and he's lost two in a row. Now it last yesterday was abysmal. I mean, really, really bad nine points. And I just don't know if these guys are just, if the game has passed them by and they're so stubborn, both of these guys, they will not change in any way. And Gruden is never going to change the way he coaches or the way he handles personnel or anything. And Urban Meyer's the same way. And I just, you know, he's 0-5 now, probably won't make it through the end of the year. But I, I just, where do, the, what do, where do we go with these two? Because, I mean, their Raiders are locked in with Gruden. Oh, for a long time. Big long bucks time. for a long like, time. And seven more years or so, you know, I just, I just don't see his, his offense isn't, you know, it's just, I don't know. He, he was out of the game for so long. I just feel like the NFL has changed in front of them. They're not going to ever adapt to it. They're never going to change. And it's going to be really bad if you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan. I mean, it's let's, already let's just bad back up. Let's just back up for a second though. When you say that you're not sure if, it was a racist remark that he made. You know, we're talking no, about the we're talking about the, the head of the players association, a guy named Demora Smith, and what Gruden texted about him years ago when he was still working for ESPN. He said that dumb Oris Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires. Yeah. When you're talking about a black, the size of a black man's lips, I mean, there's really only one way to interpret that comment. Well, I think I, yeah, I agree. I think he was saying that he's lying was the way he, uh, but uh, he can yeah. say, he can try to rationalize that comment all he yeah. wants in, in hindsight, but at the time it meant what it meant. Yeah. No, look, I don't, I have, you're probably right. Um, what did I he mean, say I, about I, Goodell? He said something bad about Goodell too, in one of these. I don't know. I don't know. I, I look at these really two different ways. I mean, I, I think what Gruden did ten years ago obviously was despicable. But you know, you look at what are, what are people doing now? Some African American players that he's coached have come to his defense and said he is not a racist guy. He's a good guy. Gruden is, you know, very apologetic. Obviously, you know, you wouldn't want an email from 10 years ago coming out like that. But by all accounts, there's nothing that Gruden has done recently. And he's been very apologetic and upfront and out front uh, with um, what happened. Whereas Urban Meyer's actions are uh, as of, you know, a week ago. 
Um, and he's being judged for that as he should be by what he's doing now. And an apology is not going to work for, for Urban Meyer. But I don't think that most people think Chuck, uh, Chucky is, is racist. And so I, I just look at him differently. I, I think Gruden gets a pass probably, but Urban won't and shouldn't. Well, you know, I don't I don't know John Gruden, obviously. I, I don't know him. Um, I actually do sit on a on a board with uh with Demora Smith, so I, I do know him a little bit. Uh, but I don't know Gruden. I don't have any idea if he's a racist or not. Here here's what I know. I think uh and you know, this was a decade ago and, and times have thankfully changed and people have gotten a little more thoughtful. What I know is that in all sorts of things, there's there's an opportunity to make a crass joke or a crass statement and get a and get a cheap laugh out of people. And you have to govern yourself accordingly when those when those things come up. You have to know to put the brakes on. Hopefully, a lot of us have learned. Um, you know, just just saying something, even if you don't mean any spite or ill will, but just saying something that might get a laugh out of a room or even a buddy. Uh, or a couple buddies sitting around have, having beers, whatever. It's not okay. It's not okay. And it, and the fact that it's exposed should teach everybody to just stop when you when you think you're going to say something that's funny. Whether you know, there's all sorts of different stereotype jokes that get made and and get cracked all the time. We've all heard them. We've all been in the room when people have made them, and, and we know people who who do that and, and are good people and aren't racist, aren't sexist, whatever enough it just has to stop it's not acceptable anymore but i i do agree though with the sentiment that that urban meyer's arrogant behavior is to me is different um you know it, it it's it's just perplexing it's perplexing that at this record and what's going on the the sort of arrogance of not being able to recognize that he made a mistake i mean i think that's another takeaway if you make a mistake, own it, own it and apologize for it and learn how to get better from it. But when you start digging the hole, man, you know, <laughs> don't make it worse. Yeah. You know, well, it's I, something I that the country doesn't ever learn. Like, you know, you learn, learn from Nixon and Clinton that when you screw up, all you have to do is apologize. And we're a forgiving nation. People would have forgiven both of those guys, but they both tried to lie their way out of it. That's the it thing. Did, it, I, didn't, it didn't work. And these I, apologies in both cases are disingenuous. For Gruden to say, when I was making fun of the size of his lips, I was trying to, it, in my mind, that means he's a liar. That's bullshit. Now, I agree. That's 10, 10 11 years ago. And he, he's probably not a racist if all of his players say he's not. But still... If you're going to make an apology, make a sincere apology. And Urban Meyer's apology was even worse. He, they were just—he tried to say that he was being asked to go to dance. I mean, <laughs> you saw the video. That's not somebody asking him to get out on the dance floor. Look, I, 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 you know, I think you guys point out some really good distinctions between the two events. But I think Milk hit the nail on the head about the issue of, you know, the locker room. And Pope alluded to this too. Josh Jacobs and a couple other players were basically defending Gruden. If I'm the owner of these two teams, because I think right now as a society, we have this kind of knee-jerk reaction to be reactive. 
and you hear somebody does something bad and it's like, fire them, get rid of them. You know what everybody's calling cancel culture and all this other stuff. I think if I'm the owner, I am confidentially grabbing the captain of offense, defense, special teams, bringing them up into my office saying this is going to be completely off the record. And I want to know right now, has this coach lost the ability to coach? I'm not talking about X's and O's. I'm talking about people. Does he have the locker room and does he have your respect as captains? Because if he doesn't have your respect and he doesn't have the respect of the locker room, I don't care what how good he is on X and O's. He's gone. Because if you lose a locker room, you're losing games. That's the bottom line. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's Urban the thing. Meyer like, will be gone soon. Yeah. I don't think I back to my point about Gruden. I think he has the locker room. I don't know if he knows how to coach anymore in the NFL. That's I two think different Ur- things. I think Urban Meyer has completely I mean, I don't think these guys cared what he did deep down. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying condoning it. I'm just saying the players weren't offended by what happened. I think they were offended that he didn't get on a damn plane, fly back with them, or right. or the yeah, way right. he did these private meetings or whatever. Well, right. and they're right. and they're seeing it. They're seeing an opening to go after him because I don't think they're happy with him in general. And yeah, and he's not winning. And yeah. all right, well, listen, th- these are you know. These are interesting storylines we'll have to keep keep an eye on. Um, you know, disappointing for sure. I mean, th- these guys have you know have have risen to the highest levels of their profession, um, making tons and tons and tons of money. And the stupidity uh, and the way they you know they just can't get out of their own way sometimes is just staggering. Um, but we, we've got a lot of other stuff we want to touch because there's a lot going on in sports that we got to talk about. Um, house and my favorite sport to cover, uh, <laughs> college football, uh, Pope, um, college football, exciting and still fucking boring, right? No. Well, I, you know, not unless you watched some football games on Saturday, it's hard to say that it was boring. There were three and, and I'm just talking about three amazing games on Saturday. You had obviously Alabama and A&M. We'll talk about that in a second. You had OU Texas with a historic comeback. By OU, and then you had Ole Miss and Arkansas going down to the final play where Arkansas went for the win. Good for them on the road, and they didn't make it. They lost 52-51. First time teams have scored over 50 points like that in a game. So and for the SEC. So, you know, personally, guys, I I did, and I'm not gonna say I predicted it, but I said, watch out for the trap games. Georgia and Alabama both had trap games. Well, Georgia kind of stumbled against Auburn in the early, but put them away in the second half. Not a problem. 34, 10 Alabama. On the other hand, I was fortunate enough. Thanks to my partner, Larry Taylor, big old A&M 12th man guy took me down to college station for probably the most exciting college football atmosphere I've ever been to. Uh, And I've been to some great games, but it's just really hard to beat Kyle field on a Saturday night when Nick Saban comes in town and it's a national audience, and they had almost 107,000 screaming Aggie fans there. And Saban clearly during the game, I watched him pacing the sidelines, was never happy with Alabama. They didn't show up like a number one team should on the road and take them seriously. By the time they started taking them seriously, AM was already in the game. They, uh, they did go down. At the very end, and it looked like you know Saban was going to somehow eke out another victory on the road, but credit to AM 
their quarterback who on a on a, a play where they tied the game looked like his knee was blown out and he was going to be out of the game came back on the field and and their defense you know three and out with Alabama they got the ball with two minutes ish left went down the field and kicked the game winning field goal uh, that place went nuts um, I sent you guys the video of it I'll I'll put it on Facebook for our fans but. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, the, you know, the discipline of the core, you know, they, instead of uh, at the end of the game, you know, standing in the stands, the core all, you know, emptied out on the field, all the fans went out on the field. I mean, it was, it was an unbelievable celebration, but I will have to say, and the reason I've got in my, my virtual background, a picture of Reveille, their uh, uh, mascot dog uh, and the core is the tradition of college football is never better than when you go to college station for a football game. I highly recommend sometime you guys get down there for a game because it is truly amazing to watch the, the interaction between the core and the fans. Um, so I have nothing but mad respect. You know, at some point Saban had to lose to an assistant and it was Jimbo. He's good friends with Jimbo. At least it wasn't Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, burnt popcorn guy. Um, Alabama was definitely reeling after that game and, you know, put it in perspective. Uh, I'll talk about the top 10 here in a second, but um, the college football playoffs have definitely been shaken up. Uh, the, the, you know, right Ever? now, you, yeah, no. right now. Yeah. Okay. No. So you got, no. you got Georgia number one, you got Iowa two, Cincinnati three, OU four, and Alabama's the number one, the highest ranked one loss team. And then you look down from there. Well, you got five teams in the big 10, that are in the top 10. Four of them though, are in the same division, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, and Michigan state. So they're going to, they're going to all knock each other out. So is Iowa really going to, you know, go to the college football playoffs? looks like they might have the inside track. No way. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Uh, you know what their schedule is the rest of the year. They play, they play central Florida, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, South Florida, SMU and ECU. Nothing. I mean, they're going to make the college football playoffs, guys, and I think they will be double-digit underdogs to whoever they play. OU should have lost. They had a Texas had an epic meltdown. Um, what a great so game! Typical. Yeah, what what a great game though. OU came back. Looks like uh, our preseason Heisman guy Spencer Rattler is benched. He'll be playing for another team next year, I predict. Uh, Kayla Williams, the freshman uh, phenom, came on and led OU. Uh, Lincoln Riley's got his next quarterback. Um, so, you know, there's there's not much to look forward to this weekend. We've got Kentucky uh, playing Georgia. Kentucky's undefeated. Calipari's got a, an unbelievable team this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Georgia's going to uh, whip their ass. Hope, um, yeah. Hope, what happens if what happens if um, Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game? Does Cincinnati get the short straw and not get into the playoff and they put in and Alabama and Georgia both get in? That's that's a great question. And I think the answer is I don't know whether Cincinnati gets the short straw, but one of the undefeated Somebody teams else would. would get this would get the short straw because that right. means Alabama would run the table and they'd beat number one. Uh, and you're not going to deny them the college football playoff and Georgia will have run the table, assuming they don't lose the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh then they will have run the table and you're not going to knock them out. So that's the worst case scenario. Once again, for, you know, the college football fans who don't want the sec to dominate, but, but I will tell you, you know, 
the Alabama fans are of the mindset that, yeah, this was one loss. We could afford a loss. All we have to do is run the table, beat Georgia. Things will be fine. I don't think Nick Saban thinks things are fine. I think he's worried about his team. I'm not saying they're going to lose. They have a weak schedule coming in. They don't play really hardly anybody, but they could lose one more game before going to the SEC. And if they do, then that's lights out for the year. Hope, I'm going to ask you if the following undefeated teams, any of them beat Georgia or Alabama. Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, Cincinnati. Do any of those teams even get on the field with Georgia or Alabama? No. The college football's stupid. What's the point of yeah. rankings? Right. What's the point of rankings? Those but teams don't even belong on the an, field. But that's an anti-Big Ten bias. Two through four don't scare Alabama one bit. But that, again, that's an anti-Big Ten bias. Until Big Ten shows us, other than Ohio State with Zeke, that they can win when it matters, then I'm not going to think that they're serious contenders. Well, let's let's we we talk we we we're so used to Alabama being unbelievable, so we put them in the playoff every year. But we're going back to the Florida game, and now A and M, who by the way is unranked, has lost unranked. had two bad losses, bad losses, and was not a very great team. I mean, there's some significant problems with Alabama. I texted, texted this to you guys a few week, couple of weeks ago. I said they're anything but unbeatable, and I mean it. I think a, a lot of these teams could hang with Alabama. Their defense is very suspect, and you throw, you know, I don't know. Who knows what would happen? Iowa, Michigan State, maybe they could give them no one. No way. Not a I, chance. I'm just telling you, this is not either. the out. Al- we're, 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 we're betting with, our, with, with the – the name, not the reality. Well, and the past oh. results, which is Big yeah. Ten teams get pounded in the playoffs. I get it, but this is a different Alabama defense. I the mean, best thing those... that can happen. The best thing that can happen this year is Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC playoff, and that Oklahoma and Ohio State slip on the way there, and you get three different teams other than Georgia. So at least we're seeing three different teams. Maybe a yeah. Big Ten champion. Maybe somebody like. I don't know, in Oregon, but just show somebody different. Oh, who's the former uh, Alabama quarterback who's now a college football analyst? Is it Mackle? Greg McElroy. McElroy? Yeah, yeah. I was listening to McElroy the other day talking about this, and interestingly, he brought up the same point that Bison has been bringing up, which is with, with all this money that the Alabama quarterback is making, that um, it's hard. It's harder to coach him now, and he thinks that's a problem. And uh, I think that combined with Bill O'Brien calling the plays, it's it's. I know the defense isn't what it used to be, but my God, they could have run the ball down the throats of AM, AM and they and they they were calling pass play after pass play. It made no sense. Well, Cricket Wireless strikes again. <laughs> just no, out of the back. blue, like it didn't even seem like there was no warning that time. No, he just got beamed, back, he got beamed away. Yeah, I mean, I look, I I think I think A and M dared Bryce Young to beat them, and he was by and large able to move the ball up and down the field, but they didn't. A uh, and M's defense, you know, was able to stop him scoring touchdowns with Alabama kicking field goals. They kicked two field goals in the second half inside the 10 yard line, which you don't ever see that Saban do, but Saban was playing for the long game, which was he needed points. And ultimately, you know, he was right. And they just didn't get enough points. 
I think Saban was extremely disappointed in his defense. When they went up by seven, he expected them to rise to the occasion. He expected them to stuff A&M, and he thought the game was over, and that's what he's most disappointed about. Pope, what's the connection between the dog and A&M? So uh, Reveille is their their mascot. I I don't know the story, I'll be honest with you, but it's part of the tradition. I mean, it's Reveille like 17 or 18. Uh, You know, it runs on the field with a core member. Uh, I thought the the photograph was just cool because it just shows you the tradition there. You know, there's tradition in other other programs I get, but A&M is something special. And, you know, I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid from Saturday night still. That was just an amazing college football experience. And if Alabama was going to lose to a team, that was probably the right one. Shout out to LT and Mitchell Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on. Um, we're like I said, there's a lot to cover, a lot to go over. Um, want to touch base on that, on the MLB playoffs, but uh, I really hope Bill gets back in here for this uh, for this segment. But um, look, let the, here's the big thing. I'm, I'm not going to give a series by series breakdown now, um, but I think that the energy created by the Yankees and the Red Sox in the in the play in game or whatever you want to call it. And then also the Cards Dodgers, which was really a spectacular game. I mean, two two pitchers just uh, with Scherzer and Wainwright who just went at each other and and really uh, were outstanding. Man, doesn't that leave you wanting the that first play in or whatever it is to be more than one game? I mean, it's, absolutely. Man, I, the fans got three, three games series at, at minimum. At minimum, right? It does, it but 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 the win or go home aspect of that, the you know the how nervous the Dodgers were going in potentially into extra innings against the Cardinals, where all it took was one swing. Uh, I, I just thought the winner take all aspect of it, one game, and I I don't disagree. Two out of three would be maybe better, but it was great drama. Well, where by the way, that, that walk off homer by the Dodgers was a local Virginia kid. Yeah, well, where we are right now is we got the Braves won today, earlier today. So they're up 2-1 now on the Brewers. Um, you've got the, the Dodgers and Giants are tied playing tonight at, at 937. Apparently, the Astros are up to their old ways and are cheating again. That's the word <laughs> in the street. Oh, I saw that. Surprises saw that. exactly nobody. Uh, they are up two to one. Their game was postponed and they'll be playing tomorrow, which should have been an off day. And then we've got to mm. talk about the Rays and the Sox because Let's a little drama last it. night uh, in what was a great game went into the 13th inning. We have really a crazy play in milk. We're going to get, get some reaction from you here, but we, we have a crazy play with a runner on first in the top of the 13th for the Rays. And, um, and Milk's favorite player at bat, Kevin Kiermeyer, who he he thinks is uh, is really he's you. You have the Kiermeyer's name tattooed on you, right? You have that tattoo? No. KK. No? So KK. Kiermeyer, of course. In in maybe this is why you love him so much. The guy is you know he hits a shot to uh, to to right center, and you know he has a little power outage. Maybe he needs to spend a little more time in the weight room because he bounces the ball just off the off the wall and it see i think it hit the wall hit the ground and then it hit hunter hunter renfro right isn't that who the outfielder was it It was renfro hit renfro and goes over the wall 
And whoever the runner, who was the runner on, on first? I don't remember. Was it Yanni Diaz? Arena? No, Diaz. Diaz. Okay, so Diaz, Diaz is about. They sent him. They sent him running. It was a hit and run. Yeah, so he was already it was a hit and run. No, no, it was full. It was a full count with two outs. So you always send the runner. Yeah, he right. was he was moving. So he was you know about eight feet from home plate when the ball went went over the wall. I think, and the call is, and the, this is the rule, because the ball never it was never like controlled by another player it's still considered a batted ball even though it hit Renfro and went over the wall the call the ruling on the field is ground rule double and they put uh they put Diaz back at third base Kiermaier at second and the next guy inevitably strikes out to end the inning and you know shocking what happens in the bottom half of the inning but the Sox get a guy on and then, and then uh, the catcher uh, hits a home run to win the game. Um, but definitely drama. Uh, uh, the Rays are now down two to one. They're playing in a little bit here. We're getting close to first pitch. Milk, reaction? Look, a rule is a rule. I mean, and I, everyone's been saying, it, look, it, it's, I, does it need to be changed? I think so. I think it should be umpire discretion on, on that on the runner on the, on base at that time, look, if he would have scored normally, then he should score, but that's not the rule. So they got it right. It sucked. Kiermaier hasn't gotten a hit the entire damn playoffs, his only hit. And that happens. And Milk. yes, Milk, isn't the real story. You're uh, everything was on KK and that play, but isn't the real story is that you're, you win game one. You go into game two, you hit a grand slam, and you're up 5-2. Mm-hmm. And you have the Red Sox on the ropes. The series is over. Isn't the story about the failure of your pitching in the series? What you, the hell happened? Look, this is the – I was sit so I've got a, on a local text string with some friends, and there's that one guy who's so positive, thinks we're going to win it all. And I'm like, Nick- all year long I've been saying this. When we get into a serious situation in the postseason, we're going to struggle. We don't have a starting pitcher. We're starting Colin McHugh tonight. Colin McHugh is a middle reliever. We have our one real starting pitcher, Glass now, is hurt. Yep, that was so – yep. It's hard. And they showed the stat last night. Our middle relievers, they've pitched more innings than any in the entire major leagues. And it's like, oh, they're doing so great, low ERAs. That's not good, in my opinion. We don't have anybody that can go seven innings, eight innings in a game. They last three to four innings. Then you have to pull them, put in all these guys. It's too much stress, too much work on them. And exactly what is happening is happening. So when you put us in a five-game, you put us in a seven-game series, it's tough for us. And here you're seeing the results of this. So I, I think it's probably over. It sucks. But, I mean, maybe if it gets back to Tampa, we have a chance. But – and we have no chance against the Astros or amputated spirit. I love it. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think at least as far as the call goes, you know, one thing that, that should at least make you feel not so terribly bad about it is the home run was a two run homer. So that, you know, the guy, even if, yeah. even if the Diaz scores on that hit, you know, the, the next guy strikes out anyway, you're only up one and the two run homer ends the game as it is. So it really was a uh, harmless error, as we like to say. Um, at least it appeared to be so well listen lots to do in the playoffs lots more to go in the playoffs uh, I hope the Rays stick around a little longer um, Pope your teams one of your teams I think it's one of your teams I can't keep it straight is looking good um, but 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of baseball left. A lot of baseball left. We had a um, actual heavyweight fight this weekend that real is fight? worth talking about. What? A real fight. Yeah. And um, these get few and far between now, the interesting heavyweight fights. But uh, Rooster, what, what do you think of this one? This one uh, is an instant classic. It was, um, like you say, a real heavyweight fight. These guys are both sluggers. And I've I've watched bits of it, um, and the 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 fans were like really quiet early on because there's so much anticipation. Either one of these guys could take the other one out with one punch. They were both legit bombers. In fact, they dropped each other um, four times. There were four combined knockouts, knockdowns in the fight. There's a little bit of controversy. Um, so the fight. That has a, has a history. It's this was Who, a trilogy. Who's fighting? Fight. Let's let's start with who's fighting. Yeah, it's a trilogy fight against Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. So in the first fight, it um it was a split decision, and so they fought again, and then Fury won, and so this was the third of the, of three fights, um and they were just bombing away at each other. There was a little controversy in the fourth round. Wilder dropped Fury twice. And at one point, the referee stops count, stops his count and walks away from Fury as he's on the ground, dazed, and walks Wilder back to the corner, which I think is allowed. I think they do that, you know, get back to your corner. But it gave him several extra two or, I don't know, two, three, four extra seconds to recover from a near knockout. And so Fury gets up, takes the fight to the 11th round. And you, if you see the, the, the video of this thing, just uh, Wilder is like walking dead and, and can't even raise his arms at this point. And Fury just floors him. I mean, it was a, it was an incredible, incredible slug fest. Um, Unfortunately, I, I think there's some stories about Wilder being a real poor sport after the fight. But I mean, these two guys put on a hell of a show. And if you like power boxing, you you'll love this fight. Is there a fight for coming? No, I think I think Wilder's probably headed towards retirement, and Fury's looking for um, different competition. Um, Fury's beat this guy three times now. He didn't have any reason to get into the ring with him the third time. Right. You yeah. know, he's a gazillion dollars he's made. He's clearly of the superior boxer at this point. It, 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 uh, the only one who has anything to gain from a fourth would be Wilder, and I don't think he's physically able to do it. Well, it's, remember, you know, look, go ahead, House. I was just going to say, I remember the days when. I mean, a lot of it was either Tyson or Holyfield, but, you know, if there was a big heavyweight fight that was on the calendar, you found your way to somebody who had the pay-per-view and were watching it. I mean, I know that there's, I know there's a lot of people that watch this fight. I think there's still a greater draw these days to the big fights in MMA than this, but I hope that some of the attention to Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder is going to bring a little bit back to heavyweight boxing because those were those were good old days if they could bring that back. Well, I mean, there are stories of people lined up outside of the bars that had the fight paying to get in. Um, I think a lot of people watch this one. 
Yeah, it's listen, when the heavyweight division is is interesting, it's always better for boxing in general. Um so and and you have had some pretty good um you know, some pretty good match matchups lately in, in the heavyweight division, but this was a big one and and uh it was it was a good fight. It was a good fight for sure. So uh by the way, listen, yeah. yeah, Rooster, by the way. No, go ahead. You finish up your thought. No, no, no. I was done. I was go ahead. I was going to say, how's the uh, the guy on the Dodgers who hit that walk off was Chris Taylor, grew up in Virginia Beach and went to UVA. Uh, and that's cool. At UVA. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, look, that's uh, from the heavyweight fight to the punchable face of the week. Come on, man. Perfect segue for us. Well, oh, you know, boy. this could oh, be boy. seen as a shot at, at, at house, our, our Philly fan over here, but I sort of feel like he might be with us on this one. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't even really know what to make of it. I mean, Ben Simmons is a guy who came out of, uh, I think he was at LSU. I'm, I'm not mistaken yep. about that. He was LSU yep. and he was immensely talented player. And Philadelphia gets him, and and uh, and there's always been sort of a lot of hype around him. He's kind of got a big name, um, plays excellent defense, excellent defense. He's a big point guard who creates a lot of problems. His shooting has been suspect. Um, and then the problem for him was in the playoffs last year uh, against Atlanta. Um, he just went sort of ice cold in the fourth quarter in a couple important games. And, and his free throw shooting is so bad that the hack a shack strategy has been employed against him. Um, and there was a lot of blame on, on Simmons for the Sixers uh, season ending last year in the playoffs. A lot of people thought that team with Embiid and, and, uh, and Tobias Harris had the makeup of, of going a little further. And Ben Simmons was pretty much the weak link on that team and somehow now in the in in the offseason, Ben Simmons has walked away from the team and he's wanted a trade. He doesn't want to go back. Some of his fellow teammates, including Embiid, tried to go out and visit with him to talk to him, bring him back to the team and with open arms. And he didn't even want to meet with them. He wouldn't even meet with his teammates when they when they traveled to see him. And this guy, it's it's perplexing because arguably you know, he was the resp- the responsible guy. I don't like to put it on one guy ever. I think these are team games and everybody has responsibility, but he really was the weakest link for that team, that which is a good team in the playoffs. And, and he's acting like he's the next coming of Michael Jordan and deserves, you know, different treatment. Well, now here we are, we're getting, I guess we're into training camp and there's not a lot of people who want to trade for him. Certainly no one who's willing to match the price that the Sixers are asking for. And Simmons is realizing um, that he's going to lose a lot of money and he's really going to leave a lot of money on the table. And now he's trying, you know, talking about, well, maybe I'll go back. And it's just a really bizarre situation. And it just seems to me that this is a case of a spoiled, spoiled athlete who's listening to all the wrong people Right, that's and what I was going to ask. He's made some terrible choices, but he is my punchable face for sure. This who is week. his house? Who is his agent? 
Rich Paul. How is it is a, possible that it's just now that they're figuring out, hey, maybe this was a dumb idea to refuse to play when we really want to be traded? I mean, there's a better trade strategy than the way he's behaved since the end of the playoffs. He's I mean, done everything GM, possible to drive his trade value down since the playoffs. Yeah, if you're a GM, forget it, forget about what the Sixers asking price is. How about just the player? Do you want right. that player on Hell your team? No. Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot, a lot of villains that have left Philadelphia who have underperformed. J.D. Drew, Scott Rowland. There, there, the list goes on and on and on. This guy, if he's on another team and comes back to Philadelphia – he he will never play in Philadelphia. He will be injured in every game and not yeah. not actually take the floor. He, he can't come back real, and play for the Sixers. Sixers. There's no Well, way. here's the thing. They're fining him $825,000 a day. He's got a he's not going to make the money. He he finally has gotten it and Rich Paul has finally gotten it that he's going to lose a ton of money. So now the latest reports are he's going to show up He's going to be part of the team. He'll probably claim an injury, and he'll probably start getting with the picture of cooperating to be traded. I don't see how he ever plays basketball again, and I, I would never, ever want to punch somebody from my own team, but there are four to five million Philadelphians who would gladly punch Ben Simmons in the face with you, Bison. It's just shocking. It's just shocking. And, and of course, that's not maybe not the most shocking story out of the NBA. We got another punchable face of the week, right, Rooster? Perpetu- yeah, perpetual punch and punchable face, if you ask me. That's true. Kyrie that's true. Irving. I mean, it seems like, doesn't it seem like every year as the NBA season's about to start, there's some drama surrounding Kyrie, right? Yep. Last year it was you know, he needed to take personal time off. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it's Kyrie. And so you wonder year before that, it's all this flat earther bullshit that he starts unloading on the press right before the season's going to start year before that. He, he, he got, you know, basically ran out on the Celtics and now the Celtics fans feel the same way about him as Philadelphia feels about Ben Simmons. Um, And now he's an anti-vaxxer. And basically, he's putting his team in a position of having they're one of the three superstars never play in a home game this year, and he he's fine with that. And I mean, if I were if I were um, KD and or Harden or the other leaders on that team, I would punch Kyrie in the face and say, "Get your act together for the team, for the sake of the team." Get a damn vaccine because it's not the first vaccine you've ever had in your life. We know that for a fact because you went to school. You went to Duke. Couldn't go to Duke without some vaccines. So stop being such a damn drama queen. Get your vaccine and play for the team and stop being so egocentric. I mean, the guy, he just cannot stop with the drama, and it's maddening. It has to be maddening for his teammates. It's, you know, yeah, Andrew Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins said he wasn't going to do it. He was an anti-vaxer. The team leaned on him. Steph, others leaned on him. He basically said, "I didn't want to do it, but I want to play basketball, and so I got a vaccine because they made me do it." He got it done. Like right. I, I, whatever whatever people's fears are and everything, I'm sure they would give Kyrie all the insurance in the world, all the everything. They want to put a product on the floor. Just be a teammate. Be a teammate. Get your stupid vaccine and 
just get on the floor. You owe it to the fans who are ultimately paying your salary. You owe it to the broadcasters who are paying your salary. You owe it to the owner who's paying your salary. Well, it sounds yeah. like Andrew Wiggins has an agent also who's an adult who s- sat him down quietly and said, if you don't get this, you're not going to get paid. Get your shit you're gonna, together. You're going to ruin your career, so get your shit together. Instead of these guys running around representing Ben Simmons who are like, let's do more videos and show you, show your Lamborghini and your Ferrari and let's make more headlines and more drama. I mean, they're, they're, these guys are getting horrible advice from, yeah. from some of these newer agents. And that's why they're the punchable faces of the week this week. And in a new segment this week, we have the, uh, the punch in the ball segment, which goes to our two co-hosts who have bailed on us that aren't here <laughs> anymore. The inaugural <laughs> punched in the balls is, goes to Pope and milk. Congratulations, guys. Thanks, guys. To see if you even listen to this part of the show since you bailed on us. All right, guys. Good show. A lot to cover. Uh, Anything else as we sign off? I just want to tell our fans, you must be here next week. We have a very, very special segment on an NHL preview. The puck drops tomorrow night. It'll be a fun NHL season. Fans are back in the stand, and we've got a full preview, maybe even not Sky! What?